Hello everyone and welcome to The Point of Everything. I'm Ashton Rudin, back after a week of uh, the other two lads talking <laughs> and they are here with me now. I've got Keenan Sherlock. Word. And I've got Owen O'Sullivan. Hello. And we're going to talk about some things. First up, um, a very sad thing happens this week in the Twisted Pepper announced that they are closing down. As a venue, they're going to close down for a few months and reopen. There's rumours that it was a restaurant, but they've disputed that on Facebook. Um, they're just going to turn it into something maybe profitable, <laughs> maybe <laughs> a bit more profitable. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about that, guys? It's funny that you say profitable. I think it says a lot about... I mean, if you that's a place that we would go to a lot when we're up in Dublin. All three of us, I think, would do that. And it's a place that seems just busy all the time, and yet it's not... Not that it's not, I'm sure they're making some money, but for the amount of stuff they've got on, the amount of big acts and sort of alternative acts, it's just not really working for venues in Ireland. It it would seem like Twisted Pepper is just a really good example of that. When you say the Twisted Pepper, does it mean that it's all-encompassing? Does it include like the hairdressers downstairs and does it include the coffee shop or is... Is the Twisted Pepper just the venue? Um, I think well, the Twisted Pepper is the name they've given to the venue for now, but or for the to the building for now. But um, I think they've said that the coffee shop, which you don't have to worry about, the coffee shop is going to stay on. I know you love their coffee. You. The hairdressers at the front. I think it's just going to be gone for a couple of months while they do up the place to be this new thing, this new venture that they're talking about. It's just it seems like that the whole musical direction is is seems to be gone from the place. Um, which you can see just from the way people are reacting to it, there's like an like there's a huge outcry of just like you know this is the place I first DJ'd, this is the place that you know I played my first gig and how like I developed myself as a band and uh, that seems to be people's reaction to it. Very similar to this time last year. This time last year, where me and Ashling worked. Not as huge an outcry, I will admit. Uh, but when the path that closed... That was pretty big. It was. Big. Yeah, it was a big deal. But I guess the thing that I'm getting that's very similar to the path closing down is that it was very seminal for certain people of a certain age. Um, like, I would say people who are just kind of at the tail end of college, maybe, and are just um, not into... Like, what would happen in Cork would be there's certain bars that are very studenty. But people looking for something a little bit different and looking for different bands, different DJs, and just something different going on in your own city. The Twisted Pepper, even from the outside, seems like that was kind of one of the few places up in Dublin that was really trying anything kind of wild and exciting, but also just a little bit different. I think that a lot of like DJs cut their teeth there as well, didn't they? I mean, you know, like it's been open for six years, I think. It I'm opened right just after the pub opened, actually. Mm. The, the 2008? Yeah, it would have been that year. I think it was a couple of months there, a couple of months after each other. I mean, like, what was the, like, was the Dublin music scene crying out for a venue like that? Or is it just kind of, mu- it, it opened at the right time that musical tastes were kind of changing. People wanted kind of house music and dance music and they wanted that small club setting because did Dublin have anything like that before? I can't say because um, at the time, I think in well, 2008, I was 17, <laughs> so... Um, I shouldn't have been going to things. I was sneaking into things in Dublin, but it was mainly like gigs in the academy and places like that. Been a huge hub for um all of those people. Like you look at their their closing um weekend, which starts tomorrow, starts on Thursday and finishes up on Saturday. Um, you have you know people like Clue, Junior Spech, who kind of started nights there and really like it seemed learned how to promote gigs and then went on to do Sim Simma afterwards 
um you've got tr1 i am the cosmos hidden agenda you've got all of these people yeah it's it seems like ju- just reading uh Nyler nine's post about uh the twist of pepper closing he's got he's you know listed a who's who of djs and live performance who played there the likes of Hudson Mohawk, Optimo, Horsemeat Disco, Julio Bashmore, who's just released an album which is unreal, uh, Levon Vincent. I never thought I'd hear you say, Julio Bashmore just released an album that's unreal. <laughs> well, he did, and <laughs> you just heard me say that. <laughs> but like, Hudson Mohawk has just announced a date in Ireland, and he's playing the Olympia, and it's kind of weird. What? I, yeah, mm. I, don't, I don't know, like, not to bash the Olympia, the Olympia is a great venue, but you hear Hudson Mohawk, and you kind of presume he's going to be in the twisted pepper i mean it's it's kind of weird isn't it it's very strange actually now that you say that that's funny because a lot of acts that you would just go oh twisted pepper act there's acts in dublin that you go sugar club act that's that's going to be on the sugar club yeah i suppose Um, when you think of people well i suppose they put on the flying lotus gig in uh vicar street but you think of those kind of acts yeah you associate bands with venues yeah and i think one thing that I'm sort of noticing that's happened already and is sort of in transition of happening is the kind of club element um, in not not just in Dublin but in Cork. There's not really anything that's left of centre going on in nightclubs. What do you mean? Like it's kind of all mainstream? It's all quite mainstream. Or the places that are running stuff that's n- sort of not mainstream are getting like uh, a jolt at it, a couple of months here and there, and then phasing it out because it's not really... Would you are you saying that as Cork or um, or Dublin as well? Because I would think that Dublin it seems that some nights are working. Yeah. You know, I said some sim a while ago, like some sim, you know, I think are a huge um, example of that. You know, they're doing something. They're kind of convincing a lot of young people, like that they like reggae and dance hall, or when I don't think that maybe they would have before. Yeah, that's a great skill to have. I think that's brilliant. There seems to be in Dublin like more venues opening up almost every week. It seems like there's a new venue kind of opening up, you know, like uh, Hangar is opened up recently. And then you have the likes of District 8. I I know that they haven't opened up very recently, but then Twisted Pepper have also body tonic guys have kind of diversified and uh, opened another couple of bars around Dublin. And they're going to focus their um, attention there. I not to get like too political about the whole thing, but I think it's funny that I would see this in Cork and I see it in other cities. But it's very uh, uh, apparent in Dublin that um, while there while this uh, economic bust has happened over the last couple of years, you've seen a lot of these kind of events clubs happening on the north side of Dublin where rent is a bit cheaper and where people are kind of willing to try something else because there's not much going on in in nightclubs really, um, and. It would seem, from someone who's not living in Dublin, but a lot of that stuff's moving over to the south side, which are sort of more well-to-do areas that are a bit more built up and have a bit more infrastructure over there because it would seem like there's a bit more money coming into the city. Does it come back to the fact that, like, tastes are changing, like, musical tastes are changing as well? Like, people are, you know, you said that I wouldn't be into Julio Bashmore (laughs) and stuff, you know? Does that kind of show that that kind of music is becoming more and more popular because of the likes of, oh, dare I say it, David Guetta. No, David Guetta has nothing to be responsible for except for pain and awfulness. There's nothing <laughs> that man, apart from a very tidy YouTube video of him losing his absolute mind. <laughs> but um, no, I would say you're probably looking at bands like Disclosure would, I think, ha- be more responsible for 
the like mainstream tastes. And Jamie XX as well. Jamie XX, huge. I mean, you can nearly hear Jamie XX in every pop song that's on like Red FM, 2FM, any any kind of station. Um, if it's not Jamie XX, then it's probably uh, those lads in the waistcoats. Mumford and Sons. Mumford and Sons, yeah. We're not dance music. No, uh, the radio is either people who want to be like Mumford and Sons or oh Jamie okay. XX. But um, like we talk about the Twisted Pepper closing and how big loss it is to Dublin music, and it definitely is. But like the the tripod kind of closed its doors um a couple of years back, and I think it's being turned into apartments now. And you know, it was never really announced that it was closing down or anything like that. But it seems like that's the type of venue which is becoming more popular now you know that people want the kind of the slightly bigger club experience you know twisted pepper is too small like i mean you go in at 11 o'clock on a saturday and it's already jointed um and twisted pepper like they kind of had the big djs who were coming to dublin back a couple of years ago didn't they yeah it would seem like they've sort of outgrown the building in a way because they've also got metropolis the hidden agenda lads who would and body tonic they have Metropolis, Ooh, Metropolis coming up. Metropolis is pod. Is pod. Yeah. But that's a that's like a big event that would have a lot of names that would have played in the Twisted Pepper. Um, and it just seems like in a, in a way they've kind of outgrown the building of what they're doing. Um, and you can tell because like when me and Ashling worked in the PAV, the PAV closed in a night. You know, it didn't, it, we didn't have a big weekend where we could celebrate because of circumstances i guess but because the twisted pepper are closing down and they're having a big celebration weekend it's it's clearly by choice that they're doing it mm. um and it seems like they're kind of just outgrown the building um i don't fair? know i don't i don't want to speculate because no, it's like it happened a lot when the path closed like people were ringing me and texting me being like what happened and you know, you can't really. So I don't. I don't really want to speculate about why it's closing. But um, yeah, I would agree that like this is a choice of theirs because um, if they had anyone looking for anything from them, then them announcing that they were closing down, having a big going away <laughs> weekend, yeah. wouldn't be the that best. That was r- nicely idea. vague there. If they have anything, anybody <laughs> looking for stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's great. And now I don't think it would have been weird to do that in the pav um if we'd had that like we we had it we all we found out on a sunday and it and it was announced to the world on a monday but you know we had a night ourselves but mm. it would be quite weird to kind of go in there and be like as a worker and have to like deal with all these like but i, I did it the following week i the most random of people who i w- didn't think would be upset by it coming up to me and crying on my shoulder and i was like okay well they're there but i've lost a job you know yeah. <laughs> i've lost my livelihood um so i don't know i don't know if i would like i think it's great and i would if i had the money this weekend i would so be there but i think it must be very weird and i feel almost like you know I, it's like it's none of my business this is your yeah. this is your like thing. i'm witnessing something and i'm like oh i'm sorry yeah, i don't even feel noticing. i don't feel like i can be like enjoy myself at something that feels like a big um like new orleans wake or something that's what yeah. it is essentially like but like D- Dublin, as I mentioned, like they have these other venues where people can go to. I still feel like Cork, you know, kind of hasn't recovered fully from the path. Clo- I'm not just saying. I think that. it's now we see it. I think it's taken a full year for us to all go. Fuck. <laughs> because like yeah. you know, you'd go out on a Saturday night, and you know, everyone would kind of um, uh, be drawn to the pavilion, you know, downstairs or upstairs where a band was usually playing. Yeah, I think what I've noticed a year later 
is because I was in there every weekend and a lot of people who went there were in there every weekend, you know. And so it took me and it's taken me a lot, like a year, I would say, to realize of what else was happening around the city. And and because it doesn't seem to me like on, if I go out on a Friday or Saturday night that there's a um, kind of a large 300, 400 um, capacity building that's playing anything that's not sort of on the radio or, you know, like Kendrick Lamar would be like, the like most alternative thing that's going to get played in the club and that's fine you know but a, a city this size with uh like two universities three colleges and, a, and an art college you would kind of expect them to have like a student crowd that would still be able to sustain a club that's playing alternative music like where where do the the clubbers go in cork is it just the savoy um yeah but that like i don't know the, the term clubbers has kind of changed mm. i think um you know, with the path, it was kind of a place where you could have all sorts of people together, and it didn't feel, it didn't feel strange. Like it didn't feel like you didn't belong, and that's the big thing. Because I would, I like going to places where I can dance, and, and even a friend of mine told me that she, I think she was saying she goes to Havana's now to dance because she has to. She just has to be able to dance, and a few people, <laughs> yeah. And she was like, a few people were like kind of like oh why are you going there that's disgusting but like that's the problem is that people have these preconceived notions of different places and they have their ideas about um now i'm not saying that i would want to go to the savoy on a saturday night and not know what i was expecting because um that's that's not my idea of fun but Hmm. um i think as well like there's a there's a kind of a sense of like with with the pav like I felt like any everyone was welcome there. Now a lot of people would dispute me on that, mm. and um, I know that it was different for me because I worked there. But I d- I generally that was one of the things I was proud of that we kind of we tried to bring everyone together. You know, on on the Fridays you had like either what someone called it was like reggae trance house. They were like, which is it tonight, reggae trance or house? Where in th- in the pub? In the pub, yeah. Oh, then the club nights, yeah. I think I wonder what you think about this, but do you think that? bars and venues not just in Cork now but um, are not as willing to take a risk because like let's be honest we've come out of six or seven years of like very hard times for the economy but like the the laws that are like there for bars I mean like th- the three o'clock licensing has slowly been introduced in Cork over the last month or two I don't even know if people have noticed that yet um but like people have taken a hit running bars and that's like very obvious. And so you can't really blame bars or nightclubs for maybe not trying or taking a risk on something. But do you feel that or is that something I think? Oh, totally. Yeah, I feel like it's not anyone's um, fault uh, because at the end of the day, clubs and bars, like they want the people coming back every week and not everyone wants to do the same thing every week, even though that's what we did for all the time we were working in the PAV. I think that there's been a, a kind of a, homogenization almost in Cork venues I mean you look at some of the recent ones which have opened the PAV which is completely different management and everything to the pavilion which was before they like when it was announced that they were opening they said they they pointed to uh the Woodford as you know the model that they wanted to to have and then you look at um uh Brick Lane mm-hmm. which is about two months old at this stage and again they've they didn't come out and say anything like that, but they, uh, you know, they made a very well publicized one million euro investment, a very round investment, yeah. apparently. And uh, I was in there a couple of weeks ago on a Saturday night because 
wanted to go dancing somewhere and first of all the dj was terrible he played like kendrick lamar and he went into just something that absolutely killed the room that shouldn't have been played. that was me or no i'm only messing. i don't know <laughs> you know they've kind of got that faux hipster type look about them you know the bare walls and you know the really really big menu and they're trying to do everything as well you know like have the dj have the food in the afternoon mm. have the the casual beers have the casual coffee during the day and they're trying to do everything and it seems like that's kind of what you have to do to be successful as a venue now because you know the cafe culture which came in you know in the 2000s or slightly earlier as well you know bars have slowly migrated towards that as it, as they've seen more people come in to the clubs later because you know they're staying at home drinking and everything and i think that this all has uh, an effect yeah, I would agree. Question? Yeah, it does. I would agree. I mean, I'd, Brick Lane's only open, so I wouldn't want to to sort of scare it in any, any way already. I do know what you're saying. I do feel that there's um, what I would see as Irish bar and club owners, uh, from someone who has no business talking about these kind of things, but it would seem like there's a lot of like trips made to London and then bringing back what's really successful there and in other cities. I mean, I you see it in Dublin as well, but people going to Dublin and checking out what's good. And that's great to like go visit another country and bring back what could be exciting from those places. But like Ireland has this, also Ireland has this relationship with drink, which is sort of inevitable. If you're starting a music venue, the only way you're going to keep it going is is really through drink sales. Um, And that's kind of unfortunate. I think my big thing is that you people need to start realizing that if they want... Uh, music if they want theater culture people are gonna have to start paying at the door to go in and and enjoy things because we all want it's like definitely in all of us that we all want to maybe like change the drinking culture in ireland um it's not sometimes even when you're djing and you you see people leaving you're like wow like i was involved in getting these people completely trashed completely off their face sometimes that's the best feeling in the world (laughs) when you see everyone leaving like that but a lot of the time you kind of think I think we can do better than that. And so the thing that I'd like um, venues and bars to go away is maybe like that kind of side of culture, of like the musical side, maybe invest in that. It's it's a, it's a long-term gain. But the alternative is like try get people in the door, get them off the couch where they might be drinking cans earlier in the night, try get them paying, you know, five euro if you come at this time, 10 euro if you come a bit later, uh, as long as you come in and, and drink the shit out of it. And that's like... I. It's not new. That's a really old problem. But the reality is, if you look at bars in this city, you look at bars in other cities, that what you're saying is true. It's just becoming homogenized and it's like cleaning up the bars to make them look a little bit fancier. But underneath, what we're really doing is just like trying to sell as much Heineken as possible. Yeah, that's true. Um, um, and and not really paying for bands. There's like, wh- how can we get away with maybe like, can we get up and coming bands that would be cheaper? You know, um, people just need to like realize that 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 what's coming into your bars is, is uh, as an original band or a dj is people's work and people need to start thinking like maybe we need to pay these people the same way we need to pay for a pint and yeah. maybe that will work in the long run you know like how, how do you change that though that seems like an ideal world that we're living in no that you want to live in i definitely want to live in an ideal world yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, we live in the real world, Keelan. You gotta get real. Yeah, and we live in a real Ireland as well. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that like, like people are unwilling to part with five euro because it's going to take away from a pint, and that's what you're battling constantly. I understand people are broke as well, and this this whole recession mindset um, 
which almost feels genetic in us, like, you know, the kind of this famine gene that they say we all mm. have, like, you know, where we feel guilty for not eating all the food on our plate. <laughs> I feel like that lends itself to this kind of like, well, I have to spend all of my money on something that's going to affect me. And they think that, like, I think people think that that's maybe a pint rather than a gig, which is a pity. You know, it really is. Uh, j- just like getting back to the idea of the Twisted Pepper closing, there was an article on the BBC this week which um, s- uh, just starts out saying nearly half the UK's nightclubs have shut their doors in just 10 years. Um, the Association of Licensed Multiple Retailers, which represents venues, says in 2005 there were 3,144 clubs and this is now down to 1,733. And it kind of goes into reasons why. I mean, Rudimental, who are the only kind of band slash DJs um, uh, who they kind of quote in, in the story, it says that it goes in cycles, that, you know, festivals have come and people are kind of saving up and going to festivals rather than like going out mm. every week. And then in between, everyone's going, there's too many festivals nowadays yeah. as well. Um, they're definitely right about uh, clubbing going in cycles. Um, this kind of brings it back to like venue nostalgia. I th- I would say Cork has the biggest venue nostalgia in any city in <laughs> Europe. Sir Henry's. Sir Henry's. Uh, how many Facebook pages can there be about Sir Henry's, and how many twenty-year-olds who never you don't even know where it was can sign up to that thing? You know, Cork has like this weird obsession with Sir Henry's, and I think you're seeing in the Twisted Pepper like instant nostalgia. The place hasn't even closed down, and there's already like messages of, of to me the a club isn't really the building or the place it's the people that go to it it's the people that run it and the people that make something exciting happen what i found disappointing in cork is that i haven't really seen that happen i think there was an initial wave when the pav closed people wanted to go like well we're not going to let this stop but again this comes down to bars needing to take a chance and they're not going to do that in 2015 having just survived um a couple of years of, of really hardship on the nightclubs having and i think th- the end of that is also nightclubs are kind of shit like most <laughs> of the time that's the the reason nightclubs are closing is because it and as joe said last week in the podcast you know that you know there'd be piss coming from the ceiling of henry's and people thought it was water yeah you know <laughs> like that that's so they're the things that you remember now that didn't happen in the pav <laughs> under my watch anyway I think there was a night. <laughs> no, one messing. Um, but yeah, and that's funny because we're talking about this like homogenization of venues. People aren't really into like, oh, have you noticed they've got neon lights in the bathroom? You know, like that. People don't really a care. A bar about shouldn't that. look like a tanning salon. <laughs> there is um, a thing on the Huffington Post. Yeah, I am that guy who's quoting the yeah. Huffington Post. Um, but it's pretty good. I just I wonder. I'll name out what it is. Is ten. Number of nightclubs have almost halved. Ten, nine reasons for declining nightlife, and they're actually quite. I I would have thought of some and not others, so I might just mention each one and see what you think. First of all, going to festivals is something you already brought up. Do you think that is responsible? Yeah, and it's kind of funny then because you know you're within a festival, you're trying to create a club atmosphere within a field, you know. And like when I was at Latitude a few weeks ago, they had this thing called the Disco Shed, which was basically a shed with shit loads of crappy music coming out of it. But it was like it was great crack. But you know, in my head, I was in a club. You know what I mean? I wasn't mm. really cold in a field in England. You know. Yeah. So, um, number two. I'm sure we'll all have some sort of... Going to concerts and gigs is responsible for nightlife declining. I, d- I don't think so. I mean, I, I when when I go to a gig, usually I'm thinking about what I'm going to do after as well. You know, I kind of add it into my 
into my night, but that turns into a long night then. I'm I'm not sure about that. To be well, I suppose what they mean is that people are spending money on going to see like they quote here Ed Sheeran you know they're going they're spending like what like 80 or 90 pounds or euro going to see Ed Sheeran and not spending the 5 or 10 euro there's to get into a club mm-hmm. but that's that's a person's own personal silly choice you know do you think um, what you're saying about going to gigs and then thinking about what you're going to do afterwards is that the other flip side of there not being nightclubs is there's a lot of late bars uh, in Ireland it's become the it's become the new nightclub really which has kind of got an older crowd but it's still packed like sardines from my point of view people don't even go to the late bars now they go to the kind of pub which is actually number three going to the pub um and then finding kind of a party afterwards that would be which is number four going to an illegal rave <laughs> ah, all these in together. um uh, that's a, it's a funny one isn't it going to an illegal rave is the reason why i'm not going to a club i mean are there illegal raves every week there's a there's one in uh, Churchfield, which is um, if you know where to find them on. There's illegal yeah. raves everywhere. Um, I can think I come too. It's definitely you can see it in Dublin. There's l- like a lot of everyone kind of knows about the raves that are happening. Yeah, and Ian Mullaney wrote a really great article, which I bet you probably read a couple of months ago about kind of the kind of the late night rave mm-hmm. culture that was kind of happening. You know, music going on until six or seven o'clock. Yeah, I read it. It was a bit um, green. I thought green like a bit innocent for like for commenting on what you're Uh, really having i I suppose you're you're talking about the irish times so you know it's not going to be the people who are going to the raves or the people who he's speaking to i think it's kind of more kind of the the more happy go lucky speaking from someone who's gone to these raves in cork they're not like amazing you know but what they are is an extra couple of hours and it's and it's somewhere as well where yeah you can all stick together i think like the the one time we went up to that rave in the mysterious place um behind the aldean little church <laughs> 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 uh, what was nice about it it did have a vibe of because like it was something that myself and Owen were talking about a while ago that um there's like there's no place where you know if you go on a saturday night you're going to see everyone Mm. Unless there's a gig on, but like there's no kind of pub or club that everyone goes to anymore. Um, so I suppose that was nice about that that rave was that like there was a good gang of us all there, and we were all there together, and we were all creating our own time together rather than kind of feeling like we were being pushed around the city by closing times or shitty places. Yeah, and bouncers. I think that's just yes, and bouncers. the the level of like not power that bouncers are given, but <laughs> power they think they're given is something that can really bother people at two or three o'clock when they're leaving. You just think I I'd rather just be at home than do yeah. this. Um, I I think as well like the idea of going to gigs I kind of don't go to gigs expecting to see all my friends there first of all because half of my friends think I have a terrible taste in music and don't second think of all that. and second of all my my other friends <laughs> oh okay. Owen's other two friends think he's got <laughs> <laughs> bad taste in yeah. music uh, and also like I find a lot of people would be put off by like the 10 euro entrance fee or something like that you know I mean you've got to kind of take that into account yeah i that's a big problem like it it did i didn't pay into things for a long time and i would try to get it for free and then i guess some part of working in a venue or booking gigs myself you just realize like everyone else is doing it because they want their gig they want to put on that act as well and they want people to have a good time you just have to suck it up and pay 10 euro you're not even going to think about it in the morning you know uh will we tear through the other yeah the number other five is pretty good i don't think any of us have I can see where they're coming from though this it's number five is drinking posh cocktails and it's like almost like this culture of drinking posh cocktails is something that people partake in now instead of going out and going to a club it just feels like 
that bars and pubs and I think it's the whole thing you're talking about with kind of the the identitylessness <laughs> of venues and pubs um is like they've started creating all of these like gimmicks for people to have when they go out whether it's like food like you can get like a cheese plate at h- half one in the morning or which you shouldn't do because you'd be having nightmares or else you have really trippy dreams it depends on how you see the world half full or half empty you know half empty all, <laughs> the, time. all the time fully empty. fully empty um you know what they're saying here like the ice bear and vodka revs and it's like yeah it's all gimmicks like it's not mm. it doesn't feel like a real experience like you're not going to you know go to the ice bear and talk about a great time you had when you're fucking freezing cold yeah and to the point that even just going to a pub to have a pint now is its own gimmick because like i'm not going to a gimmicky bar i'm going to a nice bar that's its own gimmick now which is crazy i'm going to go to an old man pub which is his own yeah yeah. that's just a normal pub and you're not an old man so get over yourself (laughs) going for a drink is like you know i'm going to go to this new craft beer place that's open there's only seating for three people (laughs) and you know the pints are eight euro and you've been there it's lovely it's it's actually my own bar that i've opened and you guys are invited okay so the other reasons at Huffington Post uh, drinking at home definitely like even that's um, a thing I see all the time like even when we're DJing in the poor relation like the our gang of friends and I love them to bits they'll all turn up at you know 12 for the last hour and th- that happened in the pav as well like you turn up at 1 for the last hour and it used to be rammed but before that there'd be like crickets yeah. really mm. loudly <laughs> Uh, I don't know who the people are. Like I love them. Thank God for those people that exist that go to the clubs before one. But I don't know any of them. I loved you in that. Like even when uh, Stevie G was doing his jam night in the Savoy, mm. um, I wanted to get there early because I wanted to dance my arse off for three hours, not yeah. just one. I wanted to like get as much maximum dance time in. Yes, yes, because it's it's very scarce these days. Uh, eating out is number seven on the Huffington Post. I love eating Post out, list. indeed. Working uh, out I don't is, eat in. Is number eight. Picking people up online is working number out. Nine. Who goes? Who goes to the gym? At, like that's one the one that I thought was crazy, but I guess it is true. It is true because some people just go to get the sort of adrenaline rush out. But and even the culture of working out, the health culture that is well, it, it it is very good. But people are taking better care of themselves, which means they're not going to be going and, you and can, drinking. You can as see much. it in like l- women's fashion at the moment. Like what is fashionable is actually um clothes that you'd wear to the gym which is uh, you know like th- there's nike runners that everyone has and mm. like jeggings and stuff like that that's like infiltrated just normal everyday culture and that what that is is health culture um health got i <laughs> believe they called it health got <laughs> yeah there's the whole culture where <laughs> oh it's God, like sometimes it's I like wonder. a hipster health i won't even get health into it you can go on to vice.com and look it up g-o-t-h oh health goth okay yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. Picking people up online now. Uh, I think to talk about k- Tinder, Keelan, you should uh, <laughs> write hey this now. one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is the quote? Tinder is the nightclub of the internet. Is um, it? Is it though? Well, I suppose, yeah, because I don't... I, I, I just look at people on Tinder and don't talk to them, which is what I probably do I in a nightclub I think that's what everybody well. <laughs> does in nightclub. Or in Tinder. Just... If you could, that's what a nightclub is, I guess, just walking around going, no, no. Do you think we no. like talked about all the reasons why, like, so many clubs are closing and why Twisted Pepper kind of has closed down as well? It's kind of joined that list, S- far smaller list in Ireland as well. I would suggest. Yeah, to the point that when a one nightclub closes in Ireland, like it's an outpour, and we sit here talking about it. That's like how crazy is that? That 
that there's not enough like amazing shit happening all the time but there are people willing to go to it that one place closes down and there's like an outcry and that happened a year ago at the Pavel Field mm-hmm. and I think there'll be another place it'll it'll happen soon it'll be it's Galway's turn next oh I hope not I don't want to wish that on them but no I wouldn't wish that on anybody at all but, but I know what you mean. It's 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 a really sad thing that um, a building closing its doors has such yeah. an impact on the whole country that we're sitting. Yeah, we're sitting that's here crazy. talking about it for. If you got money, and half an hour now, open up a new bar. There's people waiting. Minutes. They want you to make them dance. Yeah, there is a big. I'm just saying it to all of our rich listeners out there. There is a big hole in the market in Cork for a good bar that plays danceable music and welcomes all people just saying <laughs> wink wink <laughs> what what are like your favorite memories like one favorite memory from the twisted pepper is there one that you can point to as you know one that you really enjoyed Ashling. Uh I have two. I didn't go to a lot of nights up in the Twisted Pepper as much as I would have liked, but um one of them was the Satisfaction and Shabazz Palaces um there a couple of years ago. An incredible show, like the Satisfaction were unbelievable. And the second one was this past January going to see Girl Band. Um and this was before I broke my legs, so I was able to jump around and not be afraid of the world. So um I kept falling over and uh, Ben uh, McKenna from Melty Branch just kept picking me up any time I fell like, he'd just appear behind me and pick me up and set me off again and then I'd fall again and it wasn't really falling it was like being pushed to the ground with loads of other people it was one of those great sweaty places yeah, where you like where the walls sweated you wanted you know? to get pu- pushed over and stood on <laughs> those places are great so that was like that was like it was a place where I felt like I could uh, act the maggot like that uh, I have two as well one is like it's a it's a favorite memory of mine in general which is w- the first time we played a gig in Dublin we played in the top room in the Twisted Pepper which is the smoking area now I guess and um absolutely nobody came like the only people there were like us and the two support bands which were Tandem Felix and When Good Pets Go Bad <laughs> and uh you can ask the lads from When Good Pets Go Bad but no one came to the gig apart from the support bands and maybe someone's girlfriend or two and everyone just brought a rake of cans and no one went downstairs and so it was just like we had gone to this venue and just treated it like our house kind of saw the other band yeah and so when your man finally came up he just lost the plot with us because there was cans everywhere (laughs) and i think it had only been open like a couple of months maybe not even a couple (laughs) of months um and so that was like my first time there and we just got away with murder uh thanks guys um and the other one, I don't even know who's playing, but you know, you just have those nights where you just go like, let's go here. And then you just, the basement is in the Twisted Pepper had this like beautiful, sweaty darkness where you could dance without noticing anybody or anybody noticing you. And so there was a couple of those nights. I, it wasn't even a certain band playing. They got good DJs in there. I, th- I think that that's where uh, one of my memories was. I saw Moths play his first gig down in the basement of Twisted Pepper a couple of years ago. I can't remember what night it was, but I was up in Dublin for some reason and got to see that. So that was cool. My other memory of Twisted Pepper was I did actually put on a gig there. Nobody came, but you know, it's kind of nice to say, oh, I put on a gig in the Twisted Who did Pepper. You p- what did you put on? Ronan. Um, Carried, Carried by, by Waves. Carried by Waves. Yeah, Replete, Replete played as well. And then another Cork DJ. Was it a point of everything? Yeah, nice. the point of everything presents and okay. over game. 
thanks to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably not even listening that's to me right uh, now, to be that's honest. That's uh, two, two experiences of... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Six experiences all together. Too, and because of you, I haven't slept a wink. So finally, I just want to say to all the Twister Pepper crew that you did a great job and you made a lot of people really happy and a lot of people dance and you should be very proud of yourselves. And, you know, bon voyage and good luck with your next venture. Thanks for making me dance. Yeah, and me too. Um, next up, we have a interview with Bridget Perry Rice that myself and Keelan did last week when she played in Cork, a gig we put on in Mother Jones Flea Market, and you can listen to that now. started you getting out and playing music? Um, I used to play, what's that? Um, I don't know, I just, I just kind of really felt like I needed to think. Mm. Yeah. But I was really shy for years and years, like, I, you know, it's only recently, it's only kind of since I'm maybe like 24, 25, where I started to kind of back into the property. Yeah. Um, so you were in Portland, were you recording your album there? Yeah, so I, I, I met, actually met Peter Broderick in Cork last Is that November. Is the Fractured Air Boys? Yeah, yeah. So lovely. Um, most amazing people. Mm. Incredible people, yeah. Um, and so they so I was supporting him in the Half Moon Theatre. Oh, I was there, yeah. That's yeah. Sure. And um, and then kind of just like he kept in touch with me, and then he invited me on tour with him in in May, the first week of May, and then that was just really great. And then I just was like, this is what I need to do. <laughs> um, but obviously, like juggling that with being a parent as well is quite difficult. But um. I plan on like just bringing my son Sean with me eventually, and, like touring. <laughs> I think I would. Yeah, he's get he's getting more. I can see it like being a possibility. Maybe like next year or something. He's like five or six. Okay. Mm. He's getting more. Like he w- like last year would have never been able to do it. Like three year old kind of yeah, crazy. Yeah. But is that kind of the dream to be able to just bring him along? I think. I'd like to do that like for a couple of weeks, a few times every mm. in the year. Ideally, I'd like to fit him. Has he seen you play? 
Uh, no, he hasn't actually. <laughs> he doesn't even. Yeah, it might be actually not a good idea. <laughs> he doesn't like me playing at home or anything. <laughs> even today, he was just like, stop. <laughs> He seems like insane. such a character because I follow us, I'm friends with you on Facebook, yeah, and you put yeah. up those uh, those quotes from him, and yeah. they're just they're just incredible. Yeah, they really, really are. Oh God, he's yeah, he's getting really weirder. <laughs> I, I see those things as well, and I think, I wish I thought like that. <laughs> yeah, when I was a kid, yeah. yeah. No, now. <laughs> I wish I could say those things now. I'd say you probably think I do. Yeah, you probably do. Like, holding them back. <laughs> I don't think I hold back that much. To <laughs> you know, Ashley knows that. Yeah. Still, he did something really weird earlier. I have to tell you later, but I'm not going to say it on <laughs> being recorded. <laughs> it's, just, it's not fair on him. Um, <laughs> so, so, I, so, I didn't finish that. So, um, yeah, so then when after Peter, he invited me out to Oregon, and then, yeah, we've recorded like 10 songs together, and that's going to be an album that's going to be out like next year. And is it like a duo album or is this? Yeah, no, it's just, me and okay. then, well, he's on it a lot, but um, cool. yes. Yeah, is it new songs or is it songs from the church from the last time? No, it's all new stuff. It's, um, it's mostly like piano based, um, but lots of different things. He just, I just kind of did it and I just said, do whatever you want. But, um, <laughs> he just like did some really, really cool stuff. How did you, because the most intriguing I think, thing that I noticed at first was that you recorded your album in a church. And it was something that I would love to be sort of brave enough to do. Oh. Because you're kind of allowing, you're just taking the, the recording at that time, you're taking whatever performance you give. Yeah. I'm too much of a baby to do that. Right. <laughs> I, I keep, I, like, not good enough, I have to do it again. But yeah. that's, I think, I thought that was a really brave thing to do. And why did you why think of doing that? Um, that actually, I find that less. I find that less scary than if I had to do it myself. Because okay. I'm really not technically, like, even thinking around it now, I'm just like, oh. like <laughs> technology and wires and stuff, I just mm -hmm. want to bury my head. So I just was like, if I can just do it live and just record it, that's fine. Mm. Right. So that's why um, I kind of did it like that. Because I, I, like, I kind of like live recordings as well, like, mm -hmm. some of my favourite things are live. So, mm. um, yeah, I just thought I'd do it. Also, I didn't really have like any other options, and I didn't hadn't really met the right people to record me. Really. Mm -hmm. What did you listen to when you were, when you were, I guess, starting to think about writing music? I hate when people say when you're growing up because you listen to like everything it. and it's not really your choice as well. Yeah, yeah. I think when I decided to first write, I was really... Um, well, before I decided to write, I was just like, I didn't even think about songwriting. I was just like, I want to be a music fan. When I was like a teenager and then, and then when I started to write, I, probably when I listened to like Neil Young. And then a lot of jazz, because I, I, I kind of wanted to write like melodies, and, like um, so, like Duke Ellington and Charles Mingus, and they were a huge influence for me. Um, Tim Buckley was a really big influence for me. So yeah, people like that kind of made me want to okay. write. Did you find because obviously th those are trumpet players and piano players? 
when you sat down to play, how did you find trying to like infiltrate their world into your world? I guess I just kind of did, like I don't really play guitar properly, I don't, I don't know, I, like, I know G and C and D, that's what mm. I, I just kind of do my own thing, but I, I think more like, I guess I was just vocally more inspired by mm -hmm. jazz rather than like hmm, guitar and chords and things. So I just kind of, it was more the expression I was inspired by, like, do you mm. know, like, where it's kind of moving jazz and then it stops and then like starting mm. that was what I was into. that's not just jazz it's like you can find that with loads of people yeah I guess so have you ever played music with with a band or has it always been yourself it's always been myself but the first time I have was with Peter up mm. in um, in, um, in Oregon and he played drums and it just oh, cool. yeah, it, it set off a little bit of a fire in me like, oh this yeah and how did you find that because like um i've played i kind of started playing music with other people and mm. have always done that I've, I've done very few solo things myself oh, right. and but how did you find that transition from just kind of like being like you know you do you're kind of on your own you're thinking about what you're doing and not worrying about anyone else i was I suppose it's different with Peter because You're still he's, just two people, he's kind yeah. of like a, a producing it as well. So he's like, I want to do this. You're not kind of guiding him as such, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I know what you mean. I, I did. That's kind of probably what's held me back from playing with people for so yeah. long. Anyway, it's just like <laughs> having to worry about them. Yeah, having to like guide them, not sounding too bossy, but at the mm. same time having a clear idea of what you like and what you don't like. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And I am quite picky. Like I know what I don't like. Yeah. So I just, I guess, I was lucky that I liked everything he was doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, I always felt like it was easier just to do it on my own rather than play. But but yeah, he, but yeah, we played really well together. So. Cool. Yeah, it feels it's really a really nice feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Peter Broderick, power duo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> super band. <laughs> We might tour together again um, next year in the album because he's releasing the album so on his la new label. That was your interview with Bridget Power-Rice. How was the gig? Mm. Mother Jones, wasn't it? She played in the flea market. It was really lovely. Can I just say that if you haven't listened to Bridget's music, like you really should. She has a real strength and uh, power and realness. Honesty. Honesty. That, mm. I mean, I love everybody, you know, but some people just have this uh, amazing ability to, to express honesty that really connects with you. If you get a chance to listen to her music, if you do get a chance to see her live it's it's a she's got a power rice <laughs> anyway so that's a good point to finish up this week um i've been ashton Reardon. you've been keelan sherlock and I you've tried. been you've been on sullivan we've tried, been yeah. we've been the point of everything see ya thanks for listening <laughs>